Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. So we're back again, Pricey. How's it going? Yeah, not bad at all. I'm working from home today. I've got a slight crisis for anybody with kids has got empathy on that one, I'm sure. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. So Mike's at home today and we're also going to record uh, later on today with Keenan himself, with you at home, me in the office. We just live in a connected world and him somewhere in the States on a ski slope. Or I'm assuming Colorado somewhere. Yeah, well, if you read his book, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's obviously bang into all that stuff. Have you, have you read the book yet? I have. <laughs> I spent some time reading Gap Selling by Keenan. Okay, and he's coming on the show. So we are in the final furlong and we are on part three, Gap Prospecting. Well, are we going to do part three and part, there's part yeah, three yeah, and yeah. part four, I think, yeah, isn't there? We're in the final furlong. We're finishing three. off the book today. Cool. All right, perfect. So I'm a big fan, Mike, of anybody that firstly just alludes to the concept of prospecting. Completely agree. I, I, you know, when I first read through the book, what I always do is I read all the chapter titles on the first page. That's what I always do. Is it? And I looked at it and thought, and thought oh, part three, prospecting. Now, that's a good word. It's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so he had me at the word prospecting. And the reason I'm so positive about that is so many sales books, and we've read so many now on book club, where I sit there thinking... Well, yeah, it's all well and good, this, but how do I get... You know, you've got this strategy for what I do when I'm in the room. How do I get in the room? Completely agree, yeah. Get Completely me in agree. the room. Because actually, I think with a lot of the people I look at, and I look at a lot of the technologies we look at, if you get a decent enough bloke in a room, if you get a half-decent guy in the right room, he'll be all right. Completely, yeah. You're 100% right. You get him in the right room enough, it, it, it'll sell something sooner or later. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and you can do all this pendulums and sandlers and all this and all that, you get a reasonable fellow with a reasonable product in the right room, sooner or later somebody will buy something off him. Completely and be, agree. And he'll be and, there and, or thereabouts up to target. So I was really pleased when I saw this, actually. And in fairness, chapter 14, it's very short, you know, it's two or three pages long. Uh, you know, uh, Less than that, you know, one of his titles is Why is Prospecting So Hard? Um, yeah. And I mean, he makes a good point. I think the point he doesn't make, however, is I think a lot of people are afraid of prospecting. I completely agree. Petrified. I'm surprised, it, I'm surprised he didn't say that, really, to be honest. A lot of very highly paid people are afraid of prospecting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they say, well, it's not a good use of my time, which I do agree with in all those various bits. But, but fundamentally, people don't want to pick up the phone and say, hello, my name is. They don't want to do that. What's the one thread of commonality, Pricey, with the really, really top boys who do it year in, year out? Yeah, they'll prospect. They ain't afraid to prospect. Yeah, and I do like the fact that what he talks about is he doesn't say cold calling is shit, LinkedIn is the business. And he doesn't say LinkedIn is shit, cold calling is the business. He's saying whatever gets you through the night. Yes, I do agree with that. And then we move on to chapter 15, actually. And I put at the top of these notes, I put this is a great chapter. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Chapter 15, he calls it smart prospecting prep. Part one being build a healthy pipeline. Absolutely. Yeah. So what Absolutely. did you what did you like so much about I, I it? I what I like so much about it. And so his second point is you have to know who you're calling. Yep. 
just 100%. It's so important that. And then he says, successful prospecting is organized and structured. You're not looking for people to talk to. You're looking for people with problems that you can solve. Yeah. And then he refers back to his problem identification chart. I mean, he is 100% right. Bang on. So see what happens is, having seen it happen a million and one times, people that work for us and people that I've interviewed and all the rest of it, is I think a lot of the time, people put something in the CRM system, then they reread their notes, then they look at the company website, and then by the end of the hour, they've made four calls. Then they look on LinkedIn. Yeah. Then yeah, they look yeah. on SalesNav. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think one of the most powerful exercises we did as a business was becoming incredibly clear on what our ideal client looked like. Yes. That's a slight, that's an adjunct to this. Uh, but that's, a, yeah, as an adjunct. And what he's saying is you're looking for people with problems you can solve. And, and I, you know, I was doing some prospecting the other week and I'm looking at a big list of prospective clients thinking, nah, not for me. Nah, not for me. Well, computer center, there's no point us prospecting them because we don't really do infrastructure. They've got an in-house recruiter, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't fit our ideal client criteria. So there's no point contacting them. And actually, you can see why they'd get a bit pissed if we contacted them. Yeah. And we'd be a bit Completely. sort of a bit like, right, they want to work with yeah, us, do they? exactly. And then I like this letter that he writes here. And I'm not going to read it all out, but it says, Dear salesperson, I am the customer. And basically, he, he tells you what's going through the customer's mind. Liked it. And brilliant. He said, they're probably not dissimilar to the feelings that you experience when the shoe is on the other foot when you see an unsolicited email that lands in your inbox or see unknown phone number coming through. And let's get it right. I, I have no issue with cold calling. I'm actually one of those perverse people who quite likes it, but I don't like getting them. No, I don't. And I, I, I sometimes turn into a total arsehole. Yeah, yeah. But he's right. And actually what this chapter is about is he's then talking about uh, uh, the empathy that you need to engage with your end user. Now, I think what I've found over the past few years is that actually I think cold calling has become a bit old-fashioned. And I found that now I can call somebody and say, listen, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, this is a cold call and I'm here to discuss X. And actually it seems a lot easier because you create a little bit more empathy with them as an end user. But as we've said so many times on this show, I think so few people are cold calling because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. think, so, I think we've got to a stage of peak alternative prospecting to. Technique. Yeah, we have. I don't think people and, are cold calling that and much. And so few people are actually genuinely picking up a blower and making a cold call that the cold calls are easier to make, I think, than they've ever been. I do, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I remember a t- time in my own recruitment career where you could ring a prospect and they'd say, listen, this is the seventh recruitment call I've had today. Yes. I don't think I, it is I now. I think people are tapping people up on LinkedIn, sending CVs unsolicitedly. Because people aren't doing the hard yards. Yeah, completely. I completely agree with you. Um, and then and I, I then moved on to chapter 16. By the yep. way, I'm loving part three, but I've got to have a massive criticism of it in a minute. Really? You're, you're yeah. winding up? Yeah. Well, like but a I did cartoon like... character with his arms spinning yeah. at his elbow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like everything that's in it. It's just missing something for me. Right. That we can come on to. So chapter 16, phone, email, which medium? And, and I've underlined this bit. Don't let anybody tell you that cold calling is dead. Or that social selling doesn't work. Or, or that email. email is useless. He's yeah. absolutely 100% Correct. On he is bang on here with the blended approach. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. the point is, he's saying, listen, it's whatever works. Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, in absolutely. different markets, different strategies work. In the NHS, what a lot of people say is it's really hard to cold call them because they're never at their desks. 
you can mm. spend all day cold calling them and they only work between the hours of nine and five and they take an hour for lunch. So it's not as easy to cold call people, but there are other methods of getting in front of them. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. it's whatever method works, so long as it's a method and so long as you're prepared to do the dirty hard yards, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And then he next goes on, one of his next subheadings in chapter 16 is about intrigue. <clears throat> I think that's really important in a cold call. Couldn't agree more. I, I think you've just got to get them thinking a little bit and you've just got to tip them off balance a little bit. The, the, and I say them, the prospect, actually. And then he talks about a few different things. Surprise, create mystery, create knowledge gap, so on and so forth. And they are all absolutely 100 Well, it was really interesting reading this. Uh, I sat down and read this yesterday afternoon. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was I've been doing and creating a campaign that does have surprise mystery and a knowledge gap in it. And what's mm. been amazing is how few of those campaigns I've sent out and how much response I've had because yeah. of it. Can you remember that campaign we did years and years and years ago when we worked at Emis that had the... Um, the tea bag. The tea bags and the biscuits. I can't hear you now, Mike. Because Lauren decided to completely turn you off. Nothing has changed at my end. Yeah, it's just Lauren's left off Office 365 open. Um, and as a result, the email alert's coming through. But you can cut that bit out in the edit. Okay. Yeah, so the tea bags and the biscuits. So for those of us, for, so for listeners, what he's talking about is a campaign should have surprise, mystery, and a knowledge gap. It, whether that's an initial email or initial LinkedIn mail, something that, that isn't, is a little bit different. Mike and I were involved in a campaign many years ago in the days before you could do a web demo where we sent demo discs of software out with a tea bag and biscuits in a box. And it was sort of really nicely presented, wasn't it? To sit Love down, it. have a cup of tea, eat a biscuit and watch this demo. And people bloody opened it, watched it and booked appointments. But it had, yes. but if you think about that campaign, it had surprise, mystery and a knowledge gap. And it was very germane to its market. so it Very it relevant. To, we were sending it to solicitors. To the people that were going to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the message was right. And then we get onto email communication. And he has, I don't know whether it's made up or a real email, but it's the kind of thing that I could read and see being a real email. So irrespective yeah. of whether he made it up or not, it was very uh, authentic, I thought. And I read the email and I thought, God, that's a rubbish email. Next page, you put, this email is junk. And then actually, he's taken that email apart He's rewritten it yep. in his own, um, you know, in his own style. And I think his email, Keenan's email, is great. Yeah, I concur. Absolutely I really great. It. Really good, that. Absolutely. I, I like the point here he makes. Page 168, Mike. He says, whatever you offer should compel your prospect to say yes. I think 15 minutes of my time is worth a discussion about solving my X problem or Y problem. Yes, Such absolutely. a simple but very effective bit of thinking. And he talks about this offer minus ask equals value. I, I circled it as loved well. That. I thought that was great. I really yeah, loved yeah. that. 100%. Yeah. So what he's saying is if you're asking for 15 minutes to discuss how your prospect's current, rec current recycling program could be costing them 50% more in energy costs, that's a net positive for the buyer. But if yep. you're asking for 30 minutes to discuss their business and see if there are some areas where you can help, that's a net negative. No business professional has 30 minutes to tell you about their business. What happens if they tell you, but there is nothing you can do for them? They've just wasted 30 minutes they could have used elsewhere. That is not a value offer. What about 45 minutes to share how your product could decrease customer churn by 
that sounds like a fair offer and ask, right? And he's right. You know, mm-hmm. what's and it goes back to the whole what's in it for the customer. Yes. And, and you see these emails, I get loads of them. I was wondering if I could have 15 minutes with you. Can we book a call in the diary? Here's my automated call booking system. Bloody, 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 blah. But there's no, oh, I'm going to fix it. There's no, I think you've got a problem. This is what I think it is. This is how I'm going to solve it. Whereas what he's saying is actually, he's getting a lot more into it. So he changes the subject of the, this email from the subject title being 14 minutes to the next subject title being over 50% of SMBs lose money via expenses. So he's already got a little bit of interest, doesn't he? Yep, definitely. Yeah, and, and then he's and then he, he's, he's giving it a much more compelling reason to have a chat. And I thought, love it. Great. Absolutely great. If you, and, and if you weren't cold calling and you didn't know what you were doing and you took that, it would be a good start, I think. Yes, well, we'll come back to that. <clears throat> and then page 173, he's got a template uh, for how to write uh, an email. And it's great. Yeah, subject line, intrigue, offer, ask, overall value, no length, relevance, readability. Really, really good. So I think uh, we're really into the hot part of the book here, aren't we, in many respects? Well, we're into the bit that we like. Um, chapter 17 is about setting the right cadence. He says here, use every channel. Email, phone, video, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and even FedEx. You've got access to the most powerful, wide-reaching, wide-reaching communication stack in the history of sales. Leverage it. And you know what? I can remember getting into sales recruitment in 2000. And all we had was a phone yeah, and fax. email that's, and somebody else that had to write. And, and fax. fax. You could send a fax. There was no LinkedIn. There was no LinkedIn. And you look at it and you think, we managed to get through to people and make money then. Lots of it. Yeah, exactly. And he's 100% right. We've got all these different things. You know, I don't use Facebook, actually, with clients or Twitter. But maybe I should. Maybe I should look on Facebook. For yeah. um, the fella at Redwood Software that never wants to take my call. I can't remember his name now. Yeah, and touch him up on Facebook. Send him a Facebook <clears throat> request, Mike Price. You could be one yeah. of 500 of his closest friends. Well, I've only got 17, so he could be my 18th. <laughs> but, you know, chapter 17 is about cadence, about how often you should get in touch with people. Which I also thought was actually spot on. Spot on, yeah. Absolutely 100% but, right. Um, I, and I, I actually, you know, I, as it happens, I, um, I went to see a client couple of weeks ago now uh, and I had a day in the car and I listened to High Profit Prospecting by Mark Hunter which is a much more in-depth treatise of this particular chapter and he does actually allude to that particular book and also um, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. Which again he alludes to. Which he alludes to. But We've read that haven't we? We did that on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we had. I've read that. Jeb declined to join us. But now that we're big time pricey with all our guests, I reckon reckon Jeb will be shamed into joining (laughs) us. (laughs) But But this chapter is about that and it's got different examples of how the messages should look and how that, you know, I just think it's great. I think absolutely he's 100% right. He said eight to 12 touches, make sure they're different, vary the email, make reference to the previous email, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was a bit surprised by the email I wrote on page 179, but nonetheless, um, I, 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 I thought it was a very good chapter and I like lots of different parts of it. I like this bit here. I never, ever, ever say no for a buyer. I make the buyer say no. When a buyer doesn't respond and we stop calling an email, that's us saying no for them. And that's a huge mistake. I really like that. Never say no for your buyer. 
I can't tell you how many times I've persisted with no response to finally break through and have the buyer say, thank you, I appreciate you having been so persistent. I've been meaning to talk to you, but I just haven't been able to make it happen, so thanks for staying on top of it. And he's right. I've had mm-hmm. that, you've had that, where mm-hmm. you hang in there and you start to think, uh, uh, often you, you end up in that position, don't you, where the, the punter picks up the phone and you're like, oh shit, he's picked up the phone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Jonathan, how long did it take me to get a placement at Unit 4? How many years? 20 years. Yeah. But you kept at it. So so then that, that's the end of part three. I wrote on that part three, and I, I would have loved more on this part of the book and more templates and more, you know the bit, just a bit, dirt, bit deeper and grittier and more practical, I think would have been great. I do agree. The bit that it really missed out for me was just generally picking up the phone. Yeah, just a general look. Just... Hello, my name is. Deal with an objection. Yeah. You know, at no point is he said, oh, well, you pick up the phone to Jonathan. Jonathan says, listen, F off, man. I'm not busy. What was but... the name of the fellow we had on the show last week uh, who joined as a guest? Dennehy. Oh, the Benjamin fellow Dennehy. The fellow with the hat and the dungarees or whatever it was that he was wearing. He'd have said, oh, mate. Him, He'd have said, oh, mate, just pick up the bloody phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what that, that section lacked for me, actually. Part, yes. part three. It lacked a little bit of picking up the phone. I you think know, that the sales training community is frightened of saying that to their audiences. Yes, I'd agree with that. They're, Other frightened, than the two they're, they're frightened of saying, just get on the phone. Pick it up. Dial out. Stop worrying. Do you know, I went to a reunion a couple of, uh, a couple of months ago. And a mate of mine ended up in recruitment, as lots of the, sort of the guys I knocked about university did. And we were talking about this, and he was saying he's got a, a room full of 22-year-old guys. He said, literally, he walks around, picks up the phone, hot, shakes it at them and said, listen, it didn't bite you, did it? And I was laughing with him. His name's Lauren. I, d- I doubt very much he's listening to this show because he's in a different kind of recruitment. But it's just a thread of commonality with, the, with, with those people, I think. Whereas when I started re- my, sales, my, my sales career, I started in double glazing, you know, you, you were the odd one out if you weren't on the phone. So it just sort of made you pick up it's the just, phone. It's you... just made me think of an old Howard Jackson moment. Dave Shields phoning downstairs to Tracy Little, the, the office manager, and saying, uh, Tracy, uh, Johnny's phone appears to be broken. Can you bring a new one up, please? <laughs> so then, part four, building a gap selling team. Now, what I put at the start of this was, I'm glad he put this in. Are because, you? Well... And then I read the chapter. Um, he really but, lost me here. But I, but, but do you know what I liked about it? Is what I think the chapter was building up to be was, right, you've got this new process. It's a little bit different. And by the way, I do like the process, gap selling. Really like it. Um, really, really like it. But a lot of the books miss out and then how to manage your salespeople doing it. And I think if I was a sales manager and I was reading it, I'd think, yeah, all right. It's, you know, if I like it, how do I, it, you know. But then how he do doesn't I tell you how to do it. He doesn't know. I'll tell you what I think of this. I think the book ended at page 186. And then I think that the author realised that he'd not written enough words and that the publisher that he was working with, uh, KS Revivo, told him that he was short of three and a half thousand words. So he then wrote two more chapters that aren't that relevant. I don't know. I think they're relevant. I, but I, I tell you what, though. I, 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 so I read a chapter and then I go back to the start of the chapter and I write a note on the chapter. And my note on chapter 18, I think it is. So just explain is, to our listeners what we've got here. Chapter 18 is about manage the pipeline. 
and he, what he's effectively alluding to is, what do you, okay, so you've learned about gap selling, but you're in charge. How do you drive gap selling through your own business? Yeah, and I think that's a, a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you do, if you go on Miller Hyman and you're a sales leader, one of the first things they flog you is management training for Miller Hyman. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. And he's obviously got a course on management training for gap selling. Now, he's got one part here, and I thought, was this written by Jonathan Graham, Dave Shields, or Steve Griffith? <laughs> on Page 193, it says, insist on specific, definitive data. Yep. That was that was literally well, written, written by you, Dave, or Steve, wasn't well, it? A, ca- a candidate's come out of an interview today and told me it's gone really well. And the first thing I said was, what happened in the meeting that told you it's gone well? And then she said, oh, well, I think it just went really well. And I said, well, what words did they use that made you confident that it had gone well? And that's exactly. that's how I was taught. Yeah, yeah, but specific it's specific right. data. And it's what the same word his uh, words. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's the same with the clients, isn't it? Yeah. I absolutely guarantee that we've got bucket loads of sales leaders out there that have gone, Yeah, yeah, Bill had a decent sales meeting. Uh he said it went well. And I said, How well did it go? And he goes, Well, I don't know really. Why? Oh, he really that... likes the product, boss. Yeah, really? Exactly. How do you know he likes product? But oh, what... well, he told me he liked it. What but were what his Keenan words when he told is, you he liked it? But what Keenan's telling you to say is he's saying, right, what's his current state? What's his future state? Yeah. In pounds, shilling and pence. And, and what, Keenan's right about that. What I did like was the framework on page 192 where he asks some key, yes. some key, he gives a list of key, you know, you could run a co- you could run a pipeline call with that framework on page 192. Without having read the book. Without having read the book. And actually mm. not, you'd be, I reckon a lot of sales leaders, if that's all they did, would be much better for it. Do my salespeople understand the customer's current state? Do they know enough about literal physical business? Can they list the customer's critical problems? Have they accurately assessed their impact on the customer's organisation? Are they cognizant of the buy? Cognizant is spelt wrongly, by the way. It, it, it's with, he has a Z in his version of cognizant. Um, I'm sure it's an S. But um, are they cognizant of the buyer's emotional state? Have they pinpoint? Brilliant. If literally, if you're a sales leader and all you do is buy this book for page one nine two, it's worth its money. I completely agree. Actually, Absolutely. and I didn't, but I didn't like the chapter because my issue with it as a chapter is you're either in or you're out with a chapter like this. You're either writing a book on it, but you can't write a chapter on it because there's too much to talk about in one chapter. Yes, absolutely agree. You're so I got frustrated. Right. I got frustrated with it as a reader because I'm a bit like, okay, I really like your framework. But there is a shitload more to talk about here. What do you make of chapter 19, Build a Commits Culture? Um, it didn't really teach me anything. I got it, but I think... I think it's a bit, I've never managed a sales team before, how am I going to do it? It Yes. If you were a rookie leader, fair enough. If you were a rookie leader that had been living under a rock and had never worked anywhere else before and had never been part of a commit call... Fair enough, but I don't get how anybody who would end up in a leadership role in sales wouldn't know what a commit was. Yes, completely agree. Completely agree. <clears throat> and then chapter 20 is a good one, for us anyway. Hire the right people. Yeah, but actually, I I, I, I mean, I was a bit tired at this point. I had a lot to drink on Saturday night. Um, uh, it was a, you know, hire the right people is a, one, that, two, three, four, five, six page chapter. 
to to keep his publisher happy. I just say, what are the what are the nine qualities of a gap seller? Curiosity, critical thinking, yeah. empathy, problem solving, leadership, creativity. You said that twice. Yeah, yes. no, don't think uh, so. Deliberate, deliberate learning, coachability, business acumen. What it doesn't say actually is how to interview for each of those things. No, it, 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 it's just it missing. Say, it's... It doesn't say you need to hire somebody with curiosity. Honestly, and listeners, this, if you're reading this, this book, you can stop at the end of chapter 19. And, and if you want to, to know a little bit more about how to hire right, right people, ring me and Mike. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, but overall, so what, what do we think? We're at the end of the book, Mike. We, we've, we've, got, we've got to the finish line. To what I put, summary. A good book, a good book, and a bit like The Wolf. I know The Wolf wasn't particularly, you know, everyone's cup of tea or whatever. What I'm bothered about when I read these books is, does the person have a different and authentic process that's a good process? I think he does. Have you taken anything away from it? Have you added anything to your game? Is, is there a new golf club in your bag? Uh, I've got a few different notes that I've taken. Yep. I like the I like I like the general model actually of gap selling. I, I think it's a good model that. Well, I think um, it's a bit of a rehash of spin, really. It's better. Than, it's it, it, it's more than spin. Where's the more? I, I think the more is that it's more modern for the modern environment. Personally, yeah, okay. Because I think he talks about the different media's that we can engage with people. I think, you know, the question is: is should I, if I'm a sales guy? And I'm on holiday next week because it's bank holiday week. Should I buy this book? I'd buy it. You know, 100% I'd buy it. I think I, I do like the Would process. Would you say that's the definitive bank holiday read? No, I wouldn't actually, but I've got loads of on my shelf that I would. And I'm looking over to it. It's do you know what I mean? To... If somebody rang you today, you get a phone call, random fellow or a tap up on LinkedIn, which we, got, which we get a lot of one, now. Actually. You get a random tap up on LinkedIn. Hi, Mike. I'm going on holiday next week. Uh, what would you recommend for the beach? Are you going to say, oh, gap selling Keenan? I've got a better one, actually. So a mate of mine <clears throat> works for venture capitalist, and his job is to sell um, professional fees for his firm to do due diligence on companies that they buy. Yep. So basically, he's a salesman. He sells consulting services. But actually, he's an accountant by trade. Yep. And he knows I'm a salesman. And the other day, we're in the pub, and he said, come on, Mike, I need to learn how to sell. He said, what book should I read? Literally, he's right. a very bright man, but he's never, ever been a salesman. He said, what book should I read? What do you think I told him to read? How to Master the Art of Selling by Tom Hopkins. That was on there, yeah. I told him to read Spin Selling. By Neil Rankin. I told him to read it. Yeah, I told him to read Miller Hyman. Yeah, uh, well, Conceptual I, Selling or, or Strategic Selling. Strategic Selling. Right. Um, and I told him to learn NLP, the, uh, to read NLP, The Unfair Advantage. Yeah, by Dwayne Lakin. None of the books that we've read, I recommended to him. But, <laughs> that we've read on the show, full stop. But if you, if you do it another way, so let's say, you know, one of the best read guys that, that I deal with is Patrick Cook, who actually listens to the show. So hello, Patrick. Hey, Patrick. And he, I mean, he's read a lot of sales books, that guy. And I think he currently works for Huthway or someone like it. If he said to me, come on, Mike, come on, go on all day. Uh, what should I read? I say, spin selling. Read it, read it. He's going to say, read it to everything. And, he's, and, I, and I got to gap selling and he said, should I buy it? I'd say, yeah, you should. Because I think it's got a good book, a nice process. I really don't like the way it's written, but I'm going to, you know, I've said that all the way through. Yeah, it, we, can, we can get over that. 
yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a six and a half out of ten for me. If it had been written in a more sort of straighter manner, I'd have given it a seven and a half out of ten. I think his model's good, and I think his model's better than the Sandler model, or I prefer it more to the Sandler model actually. Um, and I think he's, yeah, I think he's a good book overall. What do you reckon? It was running at a five for me until I read chapter fourteen about prospecting. And that took it Only to 6.7. Yeah, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, Why don't you like his model? Uh, I, 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 because I'm so ingrained with spin. Well, that's your fault, not his. Correct. So I'm so ingrained with spin that I was a bit like, well, this is not really changing my life in any way or form from my existing spin training. But I'm going to bump it to 7.5 because actually, if I hadn't done spin... I think this is almost an upgrade. It is. Well, we've both arrived at 7.5, haven't we? Yeah. Which is, a fairly, which is a fairly good score. So I next think. week, Keenan is on the show. If you have questions for Keenan, if you want to ask him stuff, if you've actually been bothered to go out and read the book along with us, which I've been a bit surprised. Do you know, Mike, some people actually go out now, buy the books. Quite a lot, quite a lot yeah. And read them alongside us. Yeah, quite um, a lot of people. Which yeah. is amazing. Um, so they do. Um, if you've been reading along and you've got questions, bloody phone them in. Phone them in. Ring us. Message us. Email us. You can even join us whilst we've got the guest here. You can ring in and ask them a question. We've got the tools and the gadgets. So if you have, let us know. If not, Lauren, roll the titles, and we'll see you next week when we're interviewing Keenan.